And I also think coming in with a fresh perspective on an existing brand can be so powerful because you're thinking about things or you're seeing things that people that have been at that brand for a long time probably aren't considering. Today, I'm speaking with Kristen Victaris, Chief Brand Officer of everyone's go-to restaurant, Earl's. Earl's was founded in 1982 and has been bringing people together since day one. With 69 locations across Canada and the United States, Earl's continues to grow, all the while creating a close-knit feeling and building authentic relationships with their guests, team, and visitors. After a successful career in advertising, creating beloved household names for North American and global brands, Christian joined the Earls family in 2016, bringing with her experiences as a brand expert, master marketer, and culture creator. In just six short years, Christian has launched an innovative restaurant redesign, Unchaining the Chain, by reflecting individual communities in the food, drinks, art, and design at each location. Christian, happy to have you on the show. Thanks, Jeff. Great to be here. So let's start from the beginning. You grew up in Calgary. Tell me a bit about what your journey was like getting to Earls. I went to the University of Calgary. I got a degree in communication studies. And back in the day, I was only the second graduating class with a degree in communication studies. And so no one really knew what jobs we were going to get or what was out there. And I landed in advertising, you know, as as it is for many people. It was just a, a fluke where I ended up and it was a really great fit for me. It's such a creative industry. And early on in your career, when you, you get the opportunity to work on so many different brands and in different categories and in different industries. I spent the majority of my career in advertising, uh, you know, my first couple of years in Calgary, and then I knew that I needed to make a move and that really advertising was happening in New York and Toronto and London. And I tried to go to New York in 2001. And but September 11th happened. And so I unfortunately, mm-hmm. My plan, my big plans to move to New York got changed, and I ended up in Toronto, which is where my family was back in Toronto, and worked in advertising, and then just knew that eventually it would be time for me to to make the move to client side. How important is it for marketers uh, or people working in brand to really get that exposure to a variety of different companies before they make that switch over to the brand side? For me, it was really invaluable, but it's just a great way to, in a short period of time, to get a lot of experience. When I started in advertising, there was big budgets and there was the internet, but there was no social media. And my first TV commercial, we had a budget of $800,000, which seems crazy today, just to produce the Mm -hmm. one TV commercial. And over time, the advertising industry became really fragmented with the internet coming in clients were getting more demanding. And over time, I I started to feel a bit disenchanted with the whole thing. And I, I had a ton of great experience. And I really loved the constant change of working on, on different brands and different categories. But I wasn't able to just work on one thing and really dedicate all my energy to it. And, and I always feel like the places that we're from have a huge kind of formative impact on on shaping who we are. What attributes have you taken from growing up on the prairies that have, you know, that you brought with you into your own career or your own leadership style? Oh, I, I loved growing up in Calgary. I love the people from the prairies. They're humble, they're real, they're genuine. They have a great work ethic. And I think all of those things had a really big impact on me. Um, shaping my values and what I aspire to be. And, you know, I still 
gravitate to the you know people and companies with those traits today. I think there's a real ambition that is maybe a little bit more subtle in in the prairies and it's people are more mm-hmm. overtly ambitious. You know, everyone works hard across the country, but just the work ethic is a bit different and it's you know, I've had the privilege of living now in three of Canada's major cities, Vancouver, Calgary and Toronto and it's really interesting to see the differences between people. It's actually made me a better marketer because I I think I can I've lived those experiences mm-hmm. of what it's like the similarities and differences between those three different cities. Nowadays it and when you talk about that ambition and and I actually would agree with you and I, and I think that in the prairies we actually need to aim a, a lot higher because the idea of building massive companies in the prairies isn't something that is really that common or even attempted. Work-life balance is something that a lot of people have been bringing up. And do you see that same work ethic matching the ambition? I've always believed that work-life balance is really a tough thing to achieve. You work hard during certain times. And so if you've got a really big project or you've got something or it's a certain time in your life when you're really going to dedicate yourself, I think that thinking of this work-life balance in let's say a day or a week is a really difficult thing to maintain. And I like to think about it more in terms of how do I manage my values and how can I put in enough time at work to really achieve the things I want to do, but also take enough time in my life because I know that I'm better at my job when I step away, when I take a break, when I'm refreshed and inspired. And kind of as we come out of the pandemic, it'll be interesting to see as everyone tries to figure out how they can really live into their values. Yeah, and I think you know, like when I think about your own role, I mean, you're the chief brand officer at a household name here in Canada. You've got so many people depending on you. What is your kind of early warning sign that you have? Because when you have all this kind of riding on your shoulders, do you draw clear boundaries in between your work and your your personal life? Or do you have any kind of early warning signs where you're like, I, I need to take a bit of a break? Every day I start my day, and this is a new thing I've done over the past three years, and it's been really game-changing for me, which I ask myself the question, where am I going to make the biggest impact? And that's how I decide to spend my time. And I really listen to myself when I'm mentally tired. I go for a walk, I take a break, and and that's really helped guide me. So, so you're consciously at the beginning of every day, either writing down or acknowledging, what can I do today that's going to have the biggest impact? I am. I, I, I started it a couple of years ago and I, I was going to go so far as to, you know, in every meeting, what, <laughs> what am I going to get out of this? And I haven't been able to achieve that, but I say I'm pretty good at every day, the start of every week and every day I, I say, where can I make the most impact? Because there are so many conflicting priorities and people, you know, that, that need me or projects that I can be involved in. And so I really, mm-hmm. I think the pandemics really helped me even crystallize that practice. I think it was Steve Jobs that said that focus is really about really saying no to things that you really, really want to do, but you can't do because you're focused on something else. When you acknowledge at the beginning of the day, this is the thing that's going to have the biggest impact. How do you say no to the things that are ultimately going to get in the way of the thing that is going to give you the most impact on the business then? I love that being a leader for a brand is that I really get to set our path and what are our priorities? Obviously, you know, building off of our executive team and our president and what's happening in the market. But I have more freedom and choice to really set our path. And so I just try to be transparent and say, we're going to put this project on hold for 
a week or three months or whatever it is, or I try to find someone mm-hmm. else who can pick it up. Were, were you nervous when you made the the leap from working on the, the agency side over to working on the brand side? I wasn't nervous because I had been thinking about it for so long. And, you know, I talked a little bit about how the agency model had broken and how I'd be had become a bit disenchanted with it. And no one ever talks about this in agencies. But for me, I realized that I was never making a decision. I was working on at a very senior level on brand strategy and communication strategy and mm-hmm. major campaigns. But at the end of the day, I wasn't in the room making those decisions. That was the tipping point for me when I knew that I needed to move. And I was overly cautious, I think. And I said, oh, I have to get some experience, more more experience under my belt before I move and take on a brand. And you know, there's this great Harvard Business Review stat that women apply for a job when they have 100% of the qualifications and men apply when they have 60%. And in my you know, I got recruited for Earls, but when, you know, I got approached, I did have 100% of the qualifications. And I look back and I think, wow, I played it so safe. And I wonder if I could have left five years mm-hmm. earlier when I knew that I was ready to leave advertising. If you could go back in time, would you go to Earls earlier or would you, would you make that leap sooner now that you've kind of done it for five years? I think I would have I love Earl's. It's such an amazing company and I've grown so much and learned so much. I don't know if I would have gone sooner to Earl's, but I think I would have loved to have mm-hmm. had another brand under my belt. We had uh, Richard Bartram from WestJet on the on the podcast the other day and he was talking about how important mentors were to him and, and actually one of his mentors was the one that told him to leave his current job and, and pursue the one at WestJet. Did you have any mentors or people who you went to for advice on this or was this a 100% Kristen decision? This was a really a decision that I made and I knew that I needed to make. And I remember turning 30 and I looked around me and there was no women over 40 in advertising. And so I didn't really have very many mentors. I had a few people like Jeffrey Roche who started Low Roche, one of the agencies, and he was amazing and really inspired me. So now coming into Earl's, one of the things that we started is a mentorship program. And that's, I think, really important that People have access to mentors and access to a mentor that they can see themselves in. They're incredibly valuable, but most people I know don't have them. Why do you think that people find it challenging to to have a mentor? Is it a lack of available people that do it? I think it's hard to ask someone to be your mentor. And I, I've had a few people ask me since I've been at Earl's and it's so flattering. And of course, I'm going to say yes. But we started a more formal program. It's called From Her View. And people volunteer to be mentors. And people sign up to be mentees. And then we match people. And personally, as a mentor, I've gotten as much out of it as the mentees have gotten out of it. You need to have that trust so that you can be vulnerable with someone else. And you can ask them about the things that you're, you're struggling with. How, how do you guys build that at Earl's? It definitely comes through relationship, you know, so not just jumping right into tell me everything and all your problems and how I can help you, you know, it's build the relationship first. When I'm mentoring someone from a different department, or, you know, I've mentored a few people recently from operations. And I think because I'm Mm -hmm. removed from operations that it really allows it to be a bit more free flowing, people can Mm -hmm. be more open and not feel like what they're saying is going to be judged or someone's going to, you know, take it the wrong way. You know, finding similarities. Are you experiencing a life challenge? Are you trying to move up in your career and you're looking for advancement advice? Are you struggling with a certain problem at work or are you trying to grow your family and and make it all work? I think finding alignment on 
things beyond just your kind of your vertical um, in your career, I think also makes a big difference. I want to talk a little bit about the Earl's brand because when I think of iconic Canadian restaurant brands or even just brands in general, Earl's comes to mind. It was a brand that I, I went to a ton growing up in, in Saskatoon. It's a, a brand that I still go to today. You're the chief brand officer. Describe to me what the Earl's brand is to you. I grew up going to Earl's in the late 80s and early 90s. And so the, the brand means a lot to me and I have a deep history with it. I think for me and for a lot of our customers, it's a warm spot for people. It's great memories, great food. A lot of people you know, had sushi for the first time at Earl's or, or different foods. We were definitely a leader in that way. It's consistency. It's fun times. It's great service. I think that people form, you know, great bonds with their, you know, the people that work at Earls. And we have a huge alumni. Tons, tons, and tons of Canadians have worked at Earls at some time in their life. I would say that every day I meet an Earls alumni, and so there is a lot mm. of brand love and a lot of feeling around the brand of Earls. And I think many marketers will come to a company with an established brand and then are faced with improving, changing, reinventing the brand. How did, how did you approach this when you first joined Earl's? I was brought in to revitalize the brand. It had gotten a bit dated and was not bringing in a younger customer. And so I was really charged with revitalizing the brand. And so it was as kind of cliche as it is, you know, I, I did rebrand in the first year and put a new logo on it, but it was with full support of the Earl's team. And in fact, that was my mandate. Like, was it a struggle to to take this brand that has, you know, decades of history here and kind of make, I don't know, tribute or honor what they had done in the past while making adjustments to really set it up for success in the future? You're so bang on because we really spent a lot of time and we use the words honor the heritage of the brand, but really think about how do we build this brand for the future. And so that was something that we were really aware of as we were rebranding. It was, we brought back the parrot from the past and really honor the mm -hmm. past, but make sure that we're creating a brand that's relevant for all the future generations. What, what advice would you give other marketers or brand builders who are joining companies with established brands? I think really understanding where the company's at, uh, where the mindset is around the brand. I think it definitely was easier for me to come in and, and make impact. There's that word again, make impact on the Earl's brand because there was an openness to revitalize the brand. And so I think really for people going into an established brand, brand you know, understanding where the opportunities are, really listening to customers mm -hmm. and employees to understand where the opportunities, where are the gaps and, and where can improvement be. And I also think coming in with a fresh perspective on an existing brand can be so powerful because you're thinking about things or you're seeing things that people that have been at that brand for a long time probably aren't considering. Did you did you ever face resistance to to making these changes? Because I, I see in other companies where you know the company's two hundred years old or it's so big, and there's a lot of people who are attached to the legacy. I guess I'm wondering how did you work with the people who may have had that attachment emotionally, competing priorities? How did you work with that existing team to enable yourself to have that impact on the brand and set it up for success in the future? There were definitely challenges. I did have a lot of support from 
our founder and CEO, Stan Fuller. So that was helpful that he was one of the people that was the most open about making changes mm-hmm. and and really seeing a path for Earl's for future generations, but without jeopardizing our legacy guests who were so important to us. Sometimes I had to make decisions that people didn't love. So you kind of just have to to get flat with that and get get comfortable with having some tough conversations and making some hard decisions. In some cases, mm-hmm. a, you know, a good conversation can get someone there, or, or people would give me feedback, and it would be things that I hadn't considered. And so I just tried to be really thoughtful about it and take my time. When it came time to make a decision, you know, I just had to stick to that. And when, like you said, when you have that support from kind of the, the founding team or or from from Stan, you just you have that alignment, and it makes it so much easier. And you know, I had the honor of meeting Stan's father, uh, Bus, who you know unfortunately passed away in. 2019 at the age of 90. I mean, and he was such a pioneer and someone, although I only met once, had a real profound impact on me. Are there any stories about Bus that really shed light on the type of person Bus was and the impact that he had? Oh, Bus is just such an inspiration. And, you know, I, I was lucky enough to spend some time with him in his last few years. And what really struck me about him was how engaged he was. Uh, in the business, how passionate he was, you know, at that point, he was in his late 80s, and, you know, asking, asking tough questions, and, you know, pushing me and challenging me, and, you know, getting into kind of great conversation and debate. And I really, I really appreciated that. I think it made me better. I, I as you did, found Bus really inspirational in that way. And so, um, he's really missed. And so, Earl's started in Edmonton, and now has 67 locations. We just opened one two weeks ago, so 68. 68 locations in the US and Canada. And one of the things that strikes me about brands is you typically see a brand lose their local feel as they reach national or international scale. Yet every Earl's I walk into feels very local to that area. And then I'd love for you to unpack you know, how you're able to reach that scale while still having that local feel. I think there's two parts to it. And the first, it's your business mentality. And so we empower our GMs and our chefs and our leaders to run that restaurant as if it's their own. That lives on. It's very strong today in in our restaurants. And the other piece of it came when we did our rebrand. So five years ago, we said, we want to unchain the chain and we want every Earl to be distinct, built for that community and for that customer. So when you walk into the restaurant, the design of the space Every beer list has local craft beers to the art on the wall, which is featuring local artists. We opened it last year in South Surrey, which our head office is in Vancouver. So that's in our backyard. But we said, let's look at this market with fresh eyes in this community. And we spent a lot of time there. We talked to people. We went to restaurants. We walked around. We drove. We went into retail. No two new Earls are ever the same. Of course, it feels like the brand that you know and love, but they're distinct. Mm -hmm. And it is way more work, absolutely. And then it's really our people who are running those locations. And they're the ones who are really empowered to really keep up that local community feel. One of the things that I, I really enjoyed when we were launching Skip the Dishes across the country is really going into all these cities and learning more about the local community and meeting the, the restaurateurs in each, in each market. What, what are some of the things that you've uncovered in doing all this scouting, I guess, or research in these local markets. Are there any nuances to the markets that that you found? 
Oh, it's so interesting. And it's especially interesting when you start getting into the US. So we opened a restaurant in Texas and in Boston and Denver and Miami and those markets, the Canadian cities obviously are quite distinct in their own ways. But as you get into the US, mm-hmm. it gets even more interesting. And you can just tell that certain people gravitate to certain cities. And I really love that. I think it's as a marketer, it's so interesting to really think about the customer in, in each location and and what makes them unique and distinct and also where the similarities are. I think that's the other piece of it is, you know, in many ways, our customers are so similar. And so finding those similarities, but also those um, differences. Obviously, one of the rules in marketing is you don't want to try to be everything to everyone, but rather segment the market and find your target customer. And I find that Earl's has been incredibly successful in defying that. How has Earl's done this? I think it's been organic because a 40-year-old brand, our guests, I like to say, are 18 to 80. And it's so true. It's one of my favorite things. I'll go for dinner at Earl's and there's a 70-year-old couple there beside me. And then there's a whole group of 20-somethings partying. And we're a place where you can be yourself over time as we've really uncovered it. you know, We do consider it in our decisions. And so when we look at our menu thinking about our different guests and our different, you know, not only is it by age, but it's across, you know, East and West and Canada and US. And so we do think about that when we're designing our restaurants, when we're putting items on our menu, then I I do think it's pretty special. We're seeing a lot of companies coming out with their own loyalty programs. How do you think about integrating customer loyalty into your brand strategy? We really think that loyalty comes first and foremost by having a great experience. So you have a five-star experience, you're definitely more likely to come back. And we're a hospitality company and we always start there. But I think it also comes by providing mm-hmm. value. So we need every guest to leave feeling like they've gotten value. And I, I think maybe the most overt ways that we encourage loyalty is through our happy hour program. We've become famous for it. We're lined up at happy hour. We put new items so people can try them at various price points. And I think our customers really get that and they feel like they get value and they understand that that we are creating loyalty with them and it spurs repeat visits. And that's, I think, been really successful for us. There's not many marketers that are kind of giving away their budget to other teams. And I, I was really struck by that team mentality that you have there. And, and, and even the, the, the culture of all the Earl's employees in general, I, I remember when I first started working with the team there. I would really hear the phrase like people grow here and I'd love to dig into that a little bit and explain to our listeners what kind of culture means at Earl's and how you've done such a a good job at developing it. Culture is so huge at Earl's. Everyone in operations starts at the bottom and then moves their way up. So the majority of people, 90% of people in our company, um, including our president, he started as a dishwasher and now he's our president. And and that's kind of how everyone in operations works. In order to do that and to keep people for years and years, you need to have a great culture. And we talked about Fuss and Stan. I mean, they started it and it's something that, you know, we've always, you know, really treat your people well, have fun. We are a company of learners. We're a, a really competitive company. And there's definitely a, a type of person who really gravitates to Earl's, even though we're, you know, we're we're quite big today. It still feels like a family. If you were to pull, you know, a hundred people that work at Earl's, I think they would say that family is the word that comes to mind first. And so culture is really just in our everyday, but there's also some more kind of formal things that we do. And and the things like people grow here, we don't just say it, but we we truly live into it and believe it. 
And if I remember correctly, we started working with you guys around 2017, 2018. Earl's is really an early adopter of delivery, much, much earlier than other brands. And a lot of brands are hesitant to get into different things. And how did you think about maintaining your brand, but at the same time being an early adopter? We do pride ourselves on being first to market. And I think it's just that, again, that test mentality. So it's not always about going all the way in, but testing new things and and trying things out. We were one of the first with to be to launch plant-based. We were the first to launch natural wines. We got into delivery early. We we launched brunch and then brunch we were the first with brunch happy hour. And again, it's just it's testing and and just also, you know, doing our research first and you know, getting a lot of uh, just good opinions and and thinking before we get into it. I'm going to put you on the spot here, Kristen, and, and ask you a question about food delivery. And I want you to shoot straight on it. There's a lot of people who, especially on the brand side, who had been very hesitant to give up that amount of control when it comes to working with a, a third party. So you think about all the work you put into the brand, and now you're, you're handing that food and that order over to someone else and entrusting it to another person to give it to your end customer. What advice would you give to other brands when it comes to partnering up with third parties? I think you need to think of it as another acquisition channel. Restaurants need to be concerned with the fees and they need to be concerned with the experience. But at the end of the day, the delivery services, they also want to have a great customer experience. And so you don't own that relationship of absolutely, that's something to be aware of. But it is an additional channel for you. And I think if you think of it in that way, that can help. What are some of the things that Earl's has done to recruit and retain its talent that perhaps other brands can take cues from? There's a people crisis out there and, and we're not immune from it. It's Our culture has helped us. And so I don't know how, how much that other brands can take from that, but we have retained people through our culture. And it's about the people. I think, you know, you want to go and work with great people and smart people and everyone wants to grow and we can offer that at Earl's. And so I think that that definitely helps us. But it's a challenge and I feel for I feel for operators, I feel for all all industries out there right now because there is uh, you know a big people shortage and it's it's tough. With your president Mo Jessa being president having started in uh, you know as a dishwasher, that's got to give people confidence that you truly do grow people there. Absolutely. And people, it's just, we have so many examples of people that have come all the way up through and our entire operations is built that way. And that is why growth at Earl's is important. And we just opened a new restaurant in Toronto at Sherway across from Sherway Gardens Mall a few weeks ago. And we're opening in Winnipeg in the new year. And we just announced a opening in Burnaby and at the amazing Brentwood. And we're growing really for our people. It creates great opportunity. It creates excitement. And that's how people can get promoted, right? You know, the more we grow. And so that's an important part of our strategy. I'm always curious to know about competition because, I mean, in your industry, it's incredibly competitive. And for me, I'm a competitive person as well. And there's always this balance between focusing on yourself and and what you need to be doing better versus focusing on what your competitors are doing. And I'm wondering in your role, Kristen, how are you, how do you balance that out be, between, because you don't want to be obsessed about your competitor, but at the same time, you do want to be aware of what's going on. How do, how do you really do that balance? 
It was an interesting lesson for me. What I've learned is when we focus on ourselves and not on our competition, that's when we really make really big strides. Of course, it's important to understand what the competition is doing, but it can easily distract you. And I've just seen it time and time again. And, you know, we just have to kind of like check ourselves on it. And when we are focused on our plan and what we think we should do, that's when we have the most success. And when we go a little off track, you know, we can call ourselves out and say, hey, I think we're focused maybe a bit too much on on the competition. And that has been a really important lesson for me personally, and I think for our company. Yeah. And I think one of the things that's really affected every restaurant has been the COVID-19 pandemic and the lockdowns that have really happened, but they have definitely hit the restaurant industry harder than nearly every industry, maybe except for airlines. Agreed. I think us and the airlines were hit very hard. What has this experience taught you about leading during a crisis? The first word that comes to mind when you said that is just resilience and adaptability. I think we've all had to learn during the pandemic how to be flexible and adaptable. And that word that everyone hates, pivot. And just perseverance, we can get through it and and we can do things way faster than we thought that we could ever do them. I think we've surprised ourselves. You know, we launched grocery in a week and it was that was pretty incredible for our team. I think we never thought that we could do something like that. And then to do that and and then look back on it and say, okay, so if we could do that, what else could we do? And so it's mm-hmm. really taught us to be adaptable and, and innovative. I think innovation really came back during the pandemic, especially for restaurants. I've never seen restaurants innovate so much in such a short amount of time. And I think that that was really exciting and inspiring. And the pandemic has been so hard on restaurants. It continues to be very tough today. But I think that there is this bright side of this innovation, which is just really exciting. And I'm I'm really hopeful about the future in restaurants. And I think that people want to come back and they want to connect with other people over food and drink and have a good time. And I think it's coming back. Has COVID changed how you make decisions about brand? It has definitely had an impact on me. I can't think specifically on how it's made a difference. I think I'm really empathetic to where people are at today. And I really consider our customers and their mindset more than I ever have. It has made me, I think, more innovative and more flexible and and just kind of open to possibility and also change and, and the unknown. I think there's a lot that is still unknown about the next six months and the next year. And so I, I take mm-hmm. my decisions with that in mind. Well, I can say that, you know, Earl's is an absolute pillar of the restaurant industry. It's a, it's a, bright spot. And I know that the last time I went out to an Earl's, it was so incredible just to be around people again and to be around that experience of having people come together, you know, over food and drinks. There really are few restaurants that do it better than Earl's. And I want to thank you, Kristen, for for coming on and, and sharing with us your own experience and all the great things that you're doing at Earl's. Where can people find you? Where can they reach out to you? I can be found on LinkedIn and also on Twitter at Kristen73. Any other messages uh, about Earl's that you'd like our listeners to hear? If you haven't been back, if you've been supporting us this whole time, I just want to say thank you. We are really excited about the future and we have great things planned. The future is bright. We just have to get through this little period right now. And I think we've got great things on the horizon. 
Well, I'm grateful for all the hard work you've done. I appreciate you, Kristen, and, and thanks again for coming on. Thanks, Jeff. 